0: Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are discussing going back to school, (laughs) Um, but mostly just sorting. Um, Because that is the main, the big thing that happens back to school at Hogwarts. Um, The sorting ceremony every year. And it is that time of year again. So, happy back to school everybody. Hope you're uh, adjusting to your fall routine well.
1: (laughs) I haven't adjusted
0: for back to school yet. (laughs) Our patron of the episode is Alex. Thank you Alex for all of your support. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I feel like every, we like, we have gone through these patrons so often that I've said all I like, feel like I can say about them. And so whenever we have one, I'm like, thanks. (laughs) Like super awkward, but thank you so much. It really does mean a lot to us that you support us in the way that you do we do have just a quick announcement as of date of recording, we haven't actually done the watch along yet. Um, but this will come out after the watch along. So I would like to preemptively thank everybody who came to the watch along. I'm sure we had just the grandest time.
0: <laughs> we'll see. Well, we personally will find out in like 24 hours from date of recording. So
1: yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Thanks everybody for coming. Um, it is the last of our watch alongs, or the, the last of our movie reviews. I'm sure oh we'll do watch along type things in the future, but you know, it's been over a year of us going through the movies, so it's been a slog. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this on our next episode, which will be the uh, first part one of Deathly Hallows part two review. So,
1: that is tune in so. For that. I never even thought that this was our last movie episode. Yeah. Oh my god, they've been such a constant yeah. in my life. I feel like is is part two the shortest movie? Is that what we decided? I think it is. Or was it but part it's one? Still pretty
0: long. It's okay. part two. Part two. Okay. Part two is like literally Gringotts and the Battle of Hogwarts.
1: That is true. I feel like we should do like a retrospective. Okay. At the end of that episode, where we like like, say our thoughts on, like, the series, the movie series as a whole. You know, maybe highlights and lowlights. Mostly (laughs) lowlights. That was good. That was synchronized. Okay, so let's get started on today's episode. Um, First, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Book of Admittance and the Quill of Acceptance. And this was, I could be wrong, but I feel like this was one of the, like, original writings on Pottermore. Um, where it kind of gave us that extra information that we didn't know about before. Pottermore was Pottermore came out. So, think- the Quill of Admittance and the Book of Acceptance were created by the founders of Hogwarts as a way to detect and record children who were magical enough to be admitted into Hogwarts. Um, so it's kind of this like foolproof way of just always finding those magical children because for the most part it's pretty easy but there are like muggle-borns who are outliers as well as squibs who are outliers that they have to be able to like sift through to find the kids that really belong at Hogwarts um both items both items are kept in a small locked tower in Hogwarts and I believe really only the headmaster or mistress and the deputy headmaster or headmistress know where it is? Mm. I could be wrong on that because I do believe McGonagall knows where it is because she's the one who writes all the letters to the children.
0: Yeah, I assume like um, every summer she goes up there and she's like, money.
1: Well, I think kids get their letters on their birthday. So I wrote oh, yes, something where yes. it was like McGonagall checks every day, which is like a lot. But that didn't come from the. Maybe Potter she checks more that like writing. the beginning of the month. <laughs> yeah, because like theoretically they should be already recorded unless somebody like shows their magical abilities like way late. Like at, the like, day before their letter. Yeah, so like theoretically yeah. they should already be recorded, and when they're recorded, I believe it has like they record their birthday as well, so that we know when yeah. they have to send the letter. Um, but Dumbledore also definitely knows where it is. And there's like part of the writing is like many a headmaster or headmistress have like spent hours up in the tower trying to catch it in action. Which, if you think about especially the size of the student body while Harry's at Hogwarts, I feel like it probably wouldn't happen that often. No, yeah. Like you'd have to yeah. be pretty lucky. Yeah. To like catch it in motion. Because I'll get to it later how it works. But the exact magical properties of the quill in the book are unknown. Um, it is suspected slash maybe known. It was kind of like, it was. I was unsure whether it was known or suspected to be an augury feather, the quill. Um, but auguries do have the ability to predict when it's going to rain. So that could like, maybe that's why an augury feather was chosen. Because they kind of already do have this like prediction, like magical ability Um, And the quill produces this silvery ink, yet the ink pot that it sits in is empty. Um, So nobody really knows what the ink is, how it works, because it, I guess, I also read somewhere that augury feathers don't, like, soak up ink. They're, like, not used for quills because they Mm. don't soak up the ink, which also makes it, like, extra magical that this one's an augury feather. Um, and then the book is bound with peeling dragon hide because it's extremely old if we are to believe that the founders were the people who created them. This
0: whole thing is like, I don't know. It's like kind of wild. <laughs> like, is it supposed wild to be and like in some good kind way? of like ancient magic that like mm. the founders understood, but like no one else did? Like, it, like, that knowledge was, like, lost over time. Like, I don't understand how, like, someone, like, or even, like, doesn't understand how it works. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It is, it is interesting. I mean, it's similar to the Sorting Hat, in a way, because I but, don't like, think we ever... the Sorting Hat is
0: easier for me to, like, fathom, and I feel like, yeah. you know, like, the Sorting Hat requires, like, touch, like...
1: Mm, you know, yeah, put yeah.
0: Put the hat on, and like we know that the founders like put like pieces of their mind. Well, like we'll talk about that later, but like yeah, I don't know. It just like doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like obviously, I'm not gonna understand the magic. I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> like, but um, it doesn't make sense to me that it's like this mysterious object, and then I'm like, how do the founders even create it? Then like I don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean, I could, I could definitely see. We talk about like magic similar to science in a lot of ways, but also like it's very different in a lot of ways. But sometimes when the writing is like very well thought out, science or magic does resemble science. So I feel like I could buy that it's just kind of a lost art. Uh-huh. Like I like I could definitely buy like magic evolving, you yeah. know, as humans evolve. Yeah. And just like in science certain things are just disregarded as like unimportant because i don't i don't really understand what would be why would somebody else need to know this information yeah that's true i guess like unless this reminds me of the storyline from clone wars let me geek out about star wars really quickly but there's like this holocron that records all of the like force sensitive children in the galaxy and like bad Mm -hmm. people try and hunt it down so they can like wipe out all those kids Mm mm-hmm so that's like the only, <laughs> the only reason I would think somebody else needs to know this. But yeah, it is interesting. Um, but so how it works is the exact moment a child produces some sort of magic for the first time, the quill floats up and begins to write the child's name in the book. And once a child's name is written in the book, they are secured a spot for in Hogwarts, like no matter what else happens but it is known that the book is a little bit more picky than the Quill is. Um, The Quill jumps the gun maybe a little bit too much whenever a child shows any sense of magic. They go to write the name, but if the book is worried, that the child might not be magical enough or that it wasn't a good enough display of magic, then it will, like, shut itself. And so the quill doesn't write the child's name or couldn't write the child's Mm -hmm. name. It is said that the day Neville was born, the quill tried to write his name in the book because, as we've talked about in previous episodes, um, Neville kind of... On the day he was born, shortly after, he like snuggled himself into his blanket a little bit more comfortably. Um, and the quill picked up on that and they're like, oh, he's magical. But the book was suspicious, and so Neville's name wasn't actually written in the book until much later, I think when he was eight, which is when he like bounced after Uncle mm-hmm. Algae dropped him out of the window or whatever. And that's when the book was satisfied by Neville's magical abilities, and so this kind of partnership of the book and the quill—the like quill being a little bit more sensitive to magic and jumping at the first instance of any, and the book's a little bit more stubbornness—has led to a 100% track record of letting, as far as we know, letting every muggle-born into Hogwarts and not letting any squibs attend Hogwarts.
0: Well, I feel like you could know for certain that you got every. You got. Squib. You weeded out every squib, but not for the certain Muggle that you boards, got every. yeah, one
1: more. that is true. But like they're saying, like nobody has been admitted to Hogwarts that yeah. shouldn't have. Whether there's people who should have been admitted to Hogwarts and haven't, I guess that's it's like more false, up for false debate. False yeah. Yeah, um, but one of the reasons the book, especially towards Neville, was a little bit more hesitant is because when squibs are born they can appear magical like they do have some like residual magic it says like leftover on them from their parents but as they grow older that magic will wear off and then like they won't be magical at all it'll completely wear off and so that's one of the reasons the book like especially because neville was like literally the day he was born like theoretically that could have been residual Mm. magic if he didn't prove to be magical later in life um So that's kind of another reason why this like the sensitivity of the quill and then the more like realistic maybe (laughs) book um, produced such a great track record and there's a fun little anecdote in there it's not really super related to either of these things but I just don't know if there will ever have a chance to talk about it again. There is a story I don't have the names because I don't have the story right in front of me about a squib actually infiltrating Hogwarts their name was never written down in the book but I guess their brother helped sneak them in um, (laughs) on their like 11th year and they like made it into the great hall and up onto the sorting hat and like the sorting hat Outed this kid as a squib, I think. (laughs) It was like, get out. That's funny. (laughs) So yeah, so while the book and the quill have a hundred percent track record, it seems as though the Hogwarts grounds maybe don't have a one hundred (laughs) percent track record of keeping the squibs out. All right. But that's also so adorable that like a sibling tried to like sneak their squib sibling <laughs> in to like get them into Hogwarts. Yeah, I think cute. it was two brothers, but I could be wrong, but I think that's really cute. Um, okay, so
0: shifting gears a little bit, that's just the background of like how students even get accepted to Hogwarts. Um, and now for the rest of the episode, we're going to talk more about sorting and houses and... The sorting ceremony and that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about Hogwarts houses, which is obviously something we talk about all the time, but we don't really talk about, like, the house system as opposed to just, like, what house you are and all of that um, and the history of it. And so, I mean... To like non Brits, uh, particularly to Americans, like a house system is a less familiar concept, um, but it is a very traditional thing in British schooling, and it isn't a thing in some American schools. Um, but way more common, it's like pretty much in all British schools, there's a house system at play. What do you want to say?
1: Um, I was gonna say we instituted a house system at the school that I work at, and so we currently have two houses, and we use them to like take away points from the two houses, give points, and then we have like prizes at the end of every month that the kids can earn if they their house has the most points. Nice. Um,
0: yeah. So there
1: you go, an American house system. Got a little. It, 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 we did our sorting ceremony the other week. It was very fun. More How did fun. You sort with the
0: kids.
1: <laughs> more fun than the Hogwarts house system um we like so we had predetermined the two houses like us adults had handpicked the two houses and we like revealed it to the kids like we all went down to the basketball court and we had them like get in a circle facing outwards and then we had them all close their eyes and we put like, the two house colors are black and white because those are the school colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put like black and white bandanas on each of the kids to pay on which house they were. And we like painted their arms that color. <laughs> and then we had them like take their blindfolds off and like turn around and like see all of the other kids that were in their house. Mm. Oh. That's cute. Yeah, it was fun. And then we had field day in our houses, and my team won field day, I'm just saying. <laughs> it was controversial, but we won. Kids <laughs> off.
0: Okay, um, so anyway, um, historically houses were used at boarding schools, and the, like, term house comes from the fact that it was, like, it referred to the specific building that you lived in. Kids were grouped by where they lived. Um, and now, like, house can, at schools nowadays or, like, at non-boarding schools can mean, like, just, like, a group of people as opposed to, like, a physical location. Um, houses are almost always assigned at the time of enrollment in the school. And it's typically random. This is all, like, within the muggle world, obviously. Um, and some students, some schools do it. So that once a student is assigned to a house, their younger siblings, like, when they then enroll or matriculate into the school, um, they are assigned to the same house, which I thought was cute. And I liked that. It made me think of the Weasleys, even though, like, a Weasley sibling could have ended up in a different house. Um, Maybe should have. It makes sense for, like, parents and stuff. Um, And so the functions of houses vary by school. um, But their, like, main use was to provide pastoral care for students, um, and then also to, like, foster peer relationships and promote competition within the school between houses, so sports and etc. Um, but I feel like sports is the thing you hear about the most, is, like, within boarding schools, like, each house will have teams for different sports, much like we see with Quidditch, um, and, house prefix and heads of houses are also from this system that is not a unique to hogwarts thing um all of these things i feel like when like american kids are reading the series for the first time they're like what what's a prefect but to like british readers it's very much just like this is how school works um so that's where all of this came from when the author was designing hogwarts um and I did find it; it was interesting. So houses can be named after a variety of things. It can just be like a color, um, a mascot or a famous alumni. But it is really common, or at least in Britain, like for a time period, it was really common for them to be named after saints. And I, I thought that was cool because I think like by the time we see Hogwarts in the 1990s, like a thousand years after its founding, the founders have taken on this like saint-like role and it's so distant from when they lived and their legacy has carried on for so long um that I feel like they are they kind of serve as like saints within the wizarding world especially because like we think of saints as like you know like you're the saint of something and so saints embody like different characteristics or um different like things that people value and like the founders obviously the houses embody like different values um and so I thought that parallel was kind of cool uh that like obviously it makes sense for it to be named after the founders but it's cool that like you could also interpret it as being like a saint um naming it after a saint
1: yeah, our houses are named after famous golfers, fun fact. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a Sneed House and Whitworth House.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah,
0: back to Hogwarts stuff. <laughs> um, obviously, each house was founded by one of the four founders, Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. Um, And we know each founder had like a personality or skill or value that they wanted their students to have and that they wanted to nourish and help grow in those students. Um, And that's kind of how the houses were set up because they all wanted to teach different populations of students. And like, I don't have any confirmation of this, but kind of the way it sounds is like from early on, it, it almost sounds like the founders were very closely tied to their houses and like I don't know it's like well you know like Slytherin only wanted to teach like cunning blood so like maybe Slytherin didn't teach like mm. Ravenclaws or Gryffindors or Hufflepuffs um yeah I don't know like there's no confirmation of that but like the way that it's talked about where like these are the students that they wanted I don't know if it's like oh they taught. Talk- all of the classes to those students or it just like is the ones that they want to be associated with
1: them. I can guarantee you Helga Hufflepuff taught every student <laughs> and didn't care. I taught every student Herbology, her biology probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's why the houses exist at Hogwarts or how they exist at Hogwarts. Um, and then obviously we see them serve multiple functions throughout the series. Um, Students pretty much always have their lessons with their housemates, at least, like, through their OWL year. Um, They're always with their housemates of the same year and sometimes another class or another house. Um, And then they live with their house, obviously, and they dine at the same table, and they are, like, advised by their head of house. Um, So, like, Harry and the other Gryffindors... Have their like, it's like college counseling, but it's like career yeah. counseling. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, with McGonagall, whereas like Hufflepuffs would have it with Sprout. Um, obviously, one of the biggest things we think about is Quidditch. Quidditch teams are by house, and there is the House Cup competition, where you can get points, um, and earn points for the glory
1: of your house. Yeah, I think. Now, with having some like experience and like practicality how houses work I think it's really cool one of my favorite things about it is that it's really easy to discipline the kids now like if they're <laughs> ever doing something I just be like if you don't stop like I'm gonna take a house point away and I think it's real it's been really cute to see how the kids like kind of like the kids in Hogwarts like really adapt to it so quickly and like take it really seriously mm. because like, you were kind of talking about it, like, like psychologically, it provides these, like, consequences, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, at the end of the day, you're not just disappointing yourself, you're, like, really disappointing the rest of the kids in your house, and so we see this play out with Harry a couple times, when, like, he loses a lot of house points for Gryffindor. Yeah. Like, the rest of the Gryffindors are really, like, what, what the heck? Like, come on! Mm-hmm. And I think there's even a couple times, especially in first year, where Harry, like, starts to second guess things and he's like no I can't like I have to keep my head down I can't lose any more points for Gryffindor and just kind of like how seriously they take it um I think it's it's been really cool to see that kind of like play out with the kids I teach and like work with here yeah that's cool so moving on specifically to the sorting hat um i'm gonna try really hard not to gender the sorting hat in this section but we'll see how it goes um we as much as like and how prevalent kind of the sorting hat is both in like the series and just kind of like harry potter lore in general there's not really a whole lot of information about it um and like the information we do have is like very straightforward like the sorting hat is one of the most impressive magical objects in the known wizarding world um it did originally begin to guard your gravendore or so the sorting hat claims um before the founders transferred a little bit of like themselves or their intelligence or their like consciousness into the hat um as like in the sword hat song he says like the founders put some brains in me which is like really awkward and like really gross if you think about it <laughs> um and it can speak through a rip near its brim and it is a skilled legilimens because this is how it's able to like see into the students minds and like figure out which house they would be best in, like, being able to read their memories and, like, it's, I feel like it's almost implied a little bit, like, see their future in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really sure how it works, though. Um,
0: I agree with that, Liz, but um, on the topic of it being a legilimens, have we talked about this before? Where, did we question whether or not the sorting hat is a legilimens, Because one of the founders was a Legilimens, I feel like we had this conversation.
1: I feel like maybe because I feel like it's a theory that Slytherin was one, and that's like why Voldemort is such a powerful one, and thus like, I guess Harry's not really a Legilimens, but like has that connection to Voldemort, um, and like the Occlumency and all that stuff. That's that's a really interesting idea, but I also don't know if I like the idea that that's why it's a Because then, like, would this would this all have been pointless if Salazar or Slytherin or one of them was an illegilimens? Like, then how this how then how would this or in how it work? Yeah, you
0: that's know, sure. that's sure. I like um, the idea that it getting its powers like from. Yeah, the founders and like maybe it got I don't know like it got the little gentleman's part from Slytherin mm-hmm. but it got something else from all yeah,
1: from all the other ones like the each contributed to make the Sorting Hat I'm sure Halga contributed to its songwriting abilities like that sounds like <laughs> her contribution Ravenclaw's um, probably why it's never wrong <laughs> or claims it's never wrong and <laughs> fights to, the e- to death that they're never wrong um <laughs> But I, I well, before moving on, I do want to say that the sorting hat wasn't always used at, towards the beginning. It was actually the founders that picked the students they wanted in their houses. So again, I feel like that does kind of lean, lean, lend credence to the theory that like one, if not all of the founders were legilimens, mm. because then also like how would they know? I mean, maybe
0: and this could get to like something I'm going to talk about later is like maybe early on before the sorting hat the founders didn't sort until later their first like after a first year after or you know after a little bit where they got to know the kids but i I feel like that kind of throws the whole house system into disarray so i don't know if that's true
1: yeah because like i'm pretty sure we know for a fact that the sorting hat was used until Later year, or the Sorting Hat wasn't used until later years. But yeah. also, how does that timing work out? Because didn't Slytherin kind of like leave abruptly? So, like, did they have this like in I the think back it, pocket, I or think it was probably already created by the time Slytherin left? So okay, but I so don't they think probably... they created
0: it because Slytherin left. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah. Again, like kind of ambiguous how it works we don't really know a whole lot about the magic behind it kind of similar to the quill of admittance in book of acceptance i think those are the uh, <laughs> reverse quill of acceptance book of admittance yeah. <laughs> same thing um and it, like audrey mentioned earlier the hat has famously claimed it's never been wrong it's never made a mistake i believe that's a line from one of the songs like I've never yet been wrong so slip me snug around your ears and I'll tell you where you belong um and I think like it's I forget where this comes from I'm sure it's a writing on Pottermore but it, we do know that it actually does like held hold fast to this and like defend itself um Peter Pettigrew is kind of one of the biggest instances that people bring up as a mistake that the sorting hat made but the sorting hat stands firm that the like his manner of death at Malfoy Manor (laughs) um, is proof that he was brave and belonged in Gryffindor house because he essentially gave up his life to protect Harry or get Harry out or repay that life debt however you choose to see it but that is the sorting hat's reasoning and defense for putting Peter Pettigrew in Gryffindor
0: okay a couple things here I'm just gonna. I just <laughs> want to ask a few questions.
1: Okay. Um.
0: First off, do you think that like when Dumbledore found out at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, he like stormed into Dumbledore's off office? Like, do you think he I was like, you. what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and then, following Pediger's death, do you think McGonagall was like? Or do you, do you think the Sorting Hat was like to McGonagall? Like, I was right. Boom. Then <sighs> a more serious question: <laughs> Is the Sorting Hat like all knowing? In like, mm. like, did it know? I'm two ways to interpret this question. It could be like, did it know that like Pettigrew was going to die that way and saw the future? Mm. I don't think that's necessarily the case i think it just like saw something in Pettigrew and that is the something that like presented itself at the time of its death um but more what's more my question is like when Pettigrew died that way did it like know that it happened or did it hear from like the fact that it's in the head mistress's headmaster's office like it hears from all of the discussions had there and the portraits and everything like is that... What happened? Because no one really knew how Pettigrew died until, like, I assume Harry, like, told people later.
1: Yeah, because, like, it was but, like, Harry, Harry and Ron. And, Ron and Dobby. Dobby and then Dobby dies, like,
0: 30 minutes later. That's true. And, like, it was in the dungeon, so it wasn't in front of portraits at Malfoy Manor.
1: So, I, yeah. like, I think
0: the sorting hat might just be, like, all-knowing and, like, it just, like, knows when something happens and it's, like,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, to be fair... If we say that it's all-knowing, I think there's actually, like, I could make an argument in defense of that, because every, theoretically, every magical child in the greater United Kingdom area should have put on this hat at some point, right? Yeah. And obviously, we know that the hat, like, goes into its brain, mm-hmm. like, to use little like, what if it kind of, like, leaves a little part of themselves Yeah. in, like, every... Like once it person. S- once it has like that access into, to the mind. Yeah,
0: it like doesn't leave. I think that yeah. is a really good point. Because too, I don't exactly remember how the conversation with Harry plays out in Chamber of Secrets. Mm. But like when Harry talks to it, I feel like it kind of already like knows that he's like questioning.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think I think the Serene hat I mean, it's, lists, It's like, mentioned as one of, like, the most impressive magical objects in the known wizarding world. Yeah. Like, I would not be surprised. My follow-up question was going to be,
0: like, is the Sorting
1: Hat the most
0: powerful ma- magical object I, that I see- think it would
1: be up there with the Hallows, and I do think kind of one of the, you know, in our Deathly Hallows episode and, like, in just previous episodes, we've talked about kind of, like the negatives of each hallow and kind mm-hmm. of, like, what it takes away. I feel like the Hat is just as powerful and, like, maybe doesn't have that, right. like, ta- like, that negative, you know, like, that right. downside. Like, the hallows are, they
0: have, they each have their negatives and they're also, like, kind of a hoax? You yeah. Know, like, the Elder Wand is the most powerful wand, but, like, it gets some of that power from, like, the self-fulfilling... Or, you know, like, from the fact that people treat it as the most powerful. Yeah, yeah. So I just wonder, like... Like, the sorting hat's not, like, a hoax. Like, the sorting hat, like, is what it says it is.
1: Yeah. I think it would definitely be up there. I mean, that, like... Booty's magical eye we're also (laughs) led to believe is very powerful because it can see through the hallow, you know, stuff like that. I think it's definitely up there. I think uh, anything... Created by the founders, as we see with the book and the quill and the hat, like have this like different type of magic, yeah. almost this like ancient like. Yeah, I don't know. I just... would
0: say, yeah. As far as power too, I would put the diary in there. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's like the power. See the like diary the get destroyed, but like mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, it has the power to like see into what people are thinking based on yeah. like getting them to speak to them speak yeah to
1: well speaking of that a lot of people have also posited the theory that the sorting hat is a horcrux for one if not all of the four founders i think we and talked that's about this before too right i th- i think yeah. we have too and like that's why it has like the brains of the four founders maybe the ability yeah. to be a legilimens. um and like if we are comparing it to the diary in that way, I think that's a valid comparison, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And the way it says, like they put a piece of themselves in me, like, yeah, put some very brazenly. similar language to what we talk about with how Horcruxes are made. Yeah, really, I think like, they, flaws like does that mean that the, the founders, founders aren't dead? They're still alive in some way. Yeah,
1: I mean, I could buy that they're kind of like Voldemort was, but, but they're the, not like actively trying to come back, trying to like, get maybe their they're body just, back. Like, this,
0: like, presence around hogwarts
1: yeah like maybe they're the house ghost in some way like Mm. i know that doesn't really work out because like reina and helena but you know like i could see that being the case but i mean us being like the jaded semi-millennial gen x or z's that we are i could believe this but like because i'm used to my heroes just being torn down in front of me and made (laughs) to look like terrible people um (laughs) But like we are li- like then, another consequence of that would be that the founders like murdered D- somebody. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's true. It re- would require the one thing we do know about a horcrux, making a horcrux, is that it requires murder.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess but again, like Audrey and I are used to our people we look up to just being actually outed as terrible people. I mean, like, so like
0: Gryffindor duelled people all the time. Like I'm sure. He killed oh yeah. A
1: few. I mean, like this. To be fair, if this was like the medieval times. I feel like things were just more wild like back then. Everybody was like. so funny. <laughs> yeah, people. I mean, they're like knights that just like murdered peasants for fun. Like, I don't know. I could I could believe it, even of Helga, honestly. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that all of those are really interesting theories to talk about, but we just don't know. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. We could probably could spend all day talking about those things, but I guess mm-hmm. we can move on. <laughs> um, so, another big part of the sorting hat um, is its song or songs. So, we see three songs through the years um, of Harry's time at Hogwarts. And so, we're going to read those songs. To we're not going to sing them? I thought we were going to sing them. I'm em. not going to sing. <laughs> um, I need to take a little sip of water first.
1: Mm. <clears throat> Clear the throat.
0: First year, 1991. <laughs> this Sorting Hat song, September 1st, 1991. <laughs> take <laughs> um, yourself back, close <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black. I almost said bowlers. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek, sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts Sorting Hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the Sorting Hat can't see, so try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwelt the Brave of Heart, Brave at heart, their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you're ready mi- if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folk use, those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking
1: cap. Okay. I love that. I I know, like, I've talked about this before, and I'm sure I'll talk about it more, but, like, the sorting songs are, like, some of my favorite things in the series. Yeah. I love them with my whole heart. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I think they're really fun. Um, This one is, like... It serves to introduce the sorting hat as, like, a character, if I dare say, that the hat itself is a character, um, and what to expect with the sorting ceremony, because, like, if you remember back to the first time you read this book, like, with, like Harry had no idea what was going on, the reader had really didn't have much of any idea what was going on, um, and it also, I think the, one of the really important things that this song does is it gives us, like, our first unbiased description of the houses. Because mm. so far, Harry... I think Harry has only heard about the houses
1: from Malfoy and Ron. Yeah. I don't. He Maybe Hagrid says something. Oh, yeah. He says, like, you don't want to end up in Hufflepuff. They're, like, <laughs> dudders or something yeah. like that. But, like, Malfoy basically, like,
0: preaches Slytherin pride and... Um, I think he says bad stuff about Hufflepuff too and then Ron obviously says terrible things about Slytherin is like I'm gonna be a Gryffindor you would want to be a Gryffindor so Harry like is going into this being like I want to be a Gryffindor basically just because like Harry can read the fact that I'm, like is prick and Ron is not <laughs> <laughs> or not as much <laughs> um, but like we don't I don't think we've like heard like what the values of the houses are. And I like um, the choices of the adjectives that are picked here. Um, so Gryffindor, I feel like these are like the main ones that I always go back to. So Gryffindor, we have Brave, Daring, Nerve, and Chivalry. Hufflepuff, um, Justin, and Loyal, and Patient. True and Unafraid of Toil. So hardworking. Um, Ravenclaw, we have Wise. A ready mind, wit, and learning. And then Slytherin. I think the language around Slytherin is interesting because it's like, you'll make your real friends. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think implies like the Slytherin very like insular brotherhood type thing. Yeah. Um, and then cunning folks and um, any means achieving the ends. So, I feel like those are like... We... We often we talk about so many different qualities with the houses and secondary qualities and things that aren't explicitly stated, but like those are like the core tenets of the houses. Yeah. Um, and just and, in general, the song is super like lighthearted and whimsy, and it's like very much fits with the theme of like the introduction to Hogwarts and the first few chapters of *Sorcerer's Stone*.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool we'll move on to the next one which isn't until fourth year because second year harry misses the feast due to arriving on the Ford anglia (laughs) and then third year he misses the feast because why does he miss the feast third year um i feel like he... he was in trouble for something
0: hermione is getting the time turner
1: yeah oh the dementors the dementors yeah yeah he's like talking to like he's in the hospital wing or like talking to somebody about the dementors attacking him so fourth year is the one we see next and i will recite that one a thousand years or more ago when i was newly sown there lived four wizards of renown whose names are still well known Bold Gryffindor from Wildmore, Fair Ravenclaw from Glen, Sweet Hufflepuff from Valley Broad, Rude Slytherin from Fen. They shared a wish, a hope, a dream. They hatched a daring plan to educate young sorcerers. Thus Hogwarts School began. Now each of these four founders formed their own house for each did value different virtues in the ones they had to teach. By Gryffindor, the bravest were a prize far beyond the rest. For Ravenclaw, the cleverest would always be the best. For Hufflepuff, hard workers were both most worthy of admission, and power-hungry sli- power hungry Slytherin loved those of great ambition. While still alive, they did divide their favorites from the throng, yet how to pick the worthy ones when they were dead and gone. T'was Gryffindor who found the way he whipped whipped me off his head. The founders put some brains in me so I could choose instead. Now slip me snug around your ears. I've never yet been wrong. I'll have a look inside your mind and tell where you belong. Whenever I hear that, it took all in me not to do it like Jim Dale does. (laughs) Like this one, he performs like especially dramatic. I feel like he like warbled his voice like and tell where you belong. And I just, like, oh, my God. I love it. So this one, we get less of, like, the house traits and more of this, like, origin story for the mm-hmm. sorting hat. Yeah. He was just feeling, like, really, he was, like, really feeling himself this year and was just, like, I'm just going to talk about myself this time. Um <laughs> And I think, like, also more about the founders. This is the first you know, time like, we find
0: out about them being from, like, the different countries.
1: Yeah. So we get, like, them being from all of the different... I think we've gone through this before. I think it may be the house episodes. Maybe. Yeah. They're each from, like, a different country or part of the UK. Um, and then we also get, like, they hatch a daring plan to educate young sorcerers. So, again, like, they're kind of... Um, goal of creating a magic magic school and then again we get like they wanted to teach students with different virtues um for this one we get brave for gryffindor clever for ravenclaw hard workers for hufflepuff which is like kind of different than the like just loyal like we also do get like the unafraid of toil in the first one but we don't like it's i feel like that one's the weird to be like v1 for Mm -hmm. hufflepuff um but i do really appreciate that it kind of like gives hufflepuffs more to like point to to be like no like we're the hard workers you know Mm -hmm. like more than like we're the loyal kids you know (laughs) i feel like it's more admirable um and then for Slytherin we get power hungry and ambition so like that one is one that we really get two for and power hungry is much more like a negative language I think that we get in the first book, Mm -hmm. which I think kind of reflects this like descent into darkness and like evil that we get throughout the series. And especially at the end of four with like Voldemort's returning, you know, almost kind of like preparing us for that from the very beginning. Um, And then this is where we get the line where like the founders used to divide the kids themselves before Gryffindor took the hat off of his head And put some brains in the sorting hat. And this is also the time where we get the never yet been wrong line where he, that the, sorry, that the sorting hat stands by firm. All the time. Yeah. So yeah, this one's, this one's really good. It's definitely a different vibe than the first one, both in the way like Jim Dale sings it (laughs) and kind of like what we get from it. But I think one of the most important things, and we'll get to this maybe in the next one, because it talks a lot more about other things. <laughs> but I think the most important thing that the Sorting Hat song has to do is like introduce the houses, because these kids like they might not know anything, like Harry, like the audience in that first book. Mm-hmm. You have to like be able to set them up in this song. Yeah. Okay, fifth year. Woo.
0: This is a long one, folks. I'll go through the whole thing, and there are some, like, a little bit nitpicky things I want to look at. So um, I'll read the whole thing and then go back to it like we've been doing. But it's a long one. In times of old, when I was new and Hogwarts barely started, the founders of our noble school thought never to be parted. United by a common goal, they had the selfsame yearning to make the world's best magic school and pass along their learning together we will build and teach the four good friends decided and never did they dream that they might someday be divided for were for were there such friends anywhere as slytherin and gryffindor unless it was the second pair of hufflepuff and ravenclaw so how could it have gone so wrong how could such friendships fail why i was there so i can tell you the whole sad sorry tale said slytherin will teach just those whose ancestry is purest Said Ravenclaw, will teach those whose intelligence is surest. Said Gryffindor, will teach all those with brave deeds to their name. Said Hufflepuff, I'll teach the lot and treat them just the same. These differences caused little strife when first they came to light. For each of the four founders had a house in which they might take only those they wanted. So, for instance, Slytherin took only pure-blood wizards of great cunning just like him. And only those of sharpest mind were taught by Ravenclaw, while the bravest and the boldest went to daring Gryffindor. Good Hufflepuff, she took the rest and taught them all she knew. Thus the houses and their founders maintained friendships firm and true. So Hogwarts worked in harmony for several happy years, but then discord crept among us, feeding on our faults and fears. The houses that, like Pillars 4, had once held up our school, now turned upon each other and divided, sought to rule. And for a while it seemed the school must meet an early end, what with dueling and with fighting and the clash of friend on friend. And at last there came a morning when old Slytherin departed, and though the fighting then died out, he left us quite downhearted. And never since the founders four were whittled down to three have the the houses been united as they once were meant to be. And now the sorting hat is here, and you all know the score. I sort you into houses because that is what I'm for. But this year I'll go further, listen closely to my song. Though condemned I am to split you, still I worry that it's wrong. Though I must fulfill my duty and must quarter every year, still I wonder whether sorting may not bring the end I fear. Oh, know the perils, read the signs, the warning history shows, for our Hogwarts is in danger from external deadly foes. And we must unite inside her or we'll crumble from within. I have told you I have warned you, now let the sorting now begin Ooh, it's, it's so one. grim it sets the it like fits this detail and this moment in the book and in the series and it sets the tone for the book of like division within hogwarts that's like a, the main theme of order of the phoenix um I do think there are some like interesting parts throughout the song. So like just going back from the beginning, um we hear about the founders again. Um we hear they were great friends. And then the we get like two instances where we're told the values of the houses. Um so the first one is like when each of the founders is saying who they want to teach. Um, and when Slytherin says his, it's, we'll teach just those who, whose interest is peers. Um, and the addition of the word like just before implies like exclusivity where like Ravenclaw Gryffindor, Ravenclaw and Gryffindor said like, we'll teach those who and all those. And then Hufflepuff is like, I'll treat, I'll teach the lot. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The like emphasis on putting just in the Slytherin one.
1: Something else I noticed, um, in the first two songs, the order of the houses was consistent. It was Gryffindor, Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw Slytherin, mm. both in the first one and the fourth year one, and in every instance, whether it was Gryffindor from Wildmore, Ravenclaw from Glenn, Hufflepuff from Valley yeah. Broad, and then it goes through that I guess that one, the Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff are flipped. But like then later by Gr- by Gryffindor, the bravest were praise far beyond the rest, for Ravenclaw, for Hufflepuff. Yeah. And then later, this is a completely different order, and Slytherin is, like, first.
0: Yeah, it's Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff. Which I yeah. think the Hufflepuff has to be put at the end, because it's like, well, I'll take everybody.
1: Yeah, but then, like, the same order is kept it's later. later. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought that that was interesting. Yeah, so then, like, the second... Uh,
0: Instance of talking about the values of the houses. We get Slytherin talking about um, pureblood wizards and great cunning. And so, I don't think in any of the previous songs they said pureblood. Is that correct?
1: They said ancestry is purest. That was that was in this one. Oh, um,
0: cunning folk, great ambition, power hungry, and then yeah yeah so this is the first time um we get that connotation with Slytherin in the song um Ravenclaw talks about sharpest mind um it also says only those of sharpest mind were taught by Ravenclaw so I think that implies that Ravenclaw only taught her house I don't know that's what that reads to me bravest and boldest and daring for Gryffindor and then good Hufflepuff (laughs) She took the rest and taught them all she knew.
1: Yeah, there's um, that's, like, one of the downsides of this song. There's literally no description of what Hufflepuffs are except, like, the rest. Yeah, this which is when we is get kind the, of like, like,
0: Hufflepuff is the, like, default leftovers. Leftovers, yeah. House, um, which we didn't really get in any of the other ones. Um, and I think that's kind of because, like, the values of Hufflepuff House are, like, the most, like obscure or not like obscure but kind yeah of like
1: mixed bag um yeah and I think that I think it's like, tangible yeah if I were to put myself in the sorting hat's brain while writing this song I think it's also very intentional to kind yes. of show this like sharp contrast between the rest of the founders and like I think a lot of times it's taken as a negative that like Hufflepuff took the rest but I feel like he the sorting hat wrote this in a way to be positive yeah because then later he talks about like the houses aren't united they're two separated and I think that like it's included this like Hufflepuff verbiage to like show what should be done basically as opposed right. to what is being done. Yeah, in this
0: one, I mean he calls her good or it calls her good Hufflepuff. Yeah. And um I think we see this shift, so we in this you know, the Ravenclaw and the Gryffindor stay pretty constant with what we've seen, but we see the shift of Slytherin from just talking about Ambition, power, hungry, cunning, to pure blood, pure mm-hmm. ancestry, and then Hufflepuff goes from talking about loyalty, just hardworking, all that, to the lot. So yeah. you have to. It's almost like Hufflepuff changed the d- definition of Hufflepuff, changed to counteract the like exclusivity of
1: yeah. Slytherin. Yeah, I think it's also. Like, as we're talking about the Soaring Hat not including this, like, ancestry is Purist and pure blood verbiage in previous mm-hmm. uh, songs, I think that, like, that was obviously intentional on the Soaring Hat's part because you don't want to, like, <laughs> what if a Muggleborn gets, I mean, like, we've talked about before, we don't know if there's any evidence of a Muggleborn ever being, like, sorted into mm-hmm. Slytherin. Um, but, like, I, I feel like it sets a bad precedent. For, like, the new kids being, like, (laughs) added to Slytherin House. But I guess this year he was, like... the nepotism house. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, I guess I'm in, like, the racist house. Great. (laughs) Um, But obviously this year, the hat found it to be more important to kind of lecture both the teachers and students, honestly, um, this time. than kind of make it the, like, happy school that it may be had in previous years. Yeah.
0: Um so going forward through the song, um we hear that it, it, discord uh crept up among the founders and that like each house sought to rule, which I think is interesting. I think it gets to like I don't know, like maybe the founders were no longer content with being on equal footing. Um, mm. Slytherin was no longer content with just having purebloods in his house. He wanted purebloods only in the school. Um, it's like a power struggle. Um, clash of friend-on-friend. Friend, they're all fighting. And um, never since have the houses been united as they once were meant to be. Um, and the sorting is kind of lamenting its, like destiny it's duty um that it doesn't want to have to do that and it with every passing year it thinks that like it thinks that it's a bad thing to be quartering every year so we do get the verb to quarter so i mean that doesn't have to be taken strictly literally but we do talk about right. like is it always
1: 25 percent in each house yeah. Um, what if there's an uneven, like, what if there's a not divisible by four number? Right. Of kids?
0: <laughs> um, You're half in this. I was half in um,
1: <laughs> Oh, that's when secondary houses become a thing you know, through the day.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think obviously this is the most loaded song, and there's a lot to unpack in there. Um, I do think this is like, I know we get a little bit about the Founders feud in Chamber of Secrets. I don't remember quite what detail we hear about it in, but this is at least like the the second time that we hear, I think from like an outside source about the feud, um, which obviously becomes something that's like very talked about within the, within the fandom, within the universe. Um And then to put this into context, this song is later followed by Umbridge's speech, um, which just like at this welcome feast, I think is like loaded with information and like foretelling for, um, the war to come and the ministry's role and Howard's role in that war, um, and my last thought on this song is that, like, I think it p- applies to all the songs, but I think maybe even more so with this one is that The Sorting Hat really has, like, some agency in mm. what it decides to say every year, and it has, like, a, a moral compass and a motive in what it's trying to convey. Um, and I think that's cool, like, is it just animated, if, like, The Sorting Hat is obtains all its powers from the pieces of the founders then can we interpret it as like the founders speaking through um the sorting hat to like call for unity and like if so is it all of the founders saying that or is it everybody but Slytherin trying to like rectify um the divide that happened in their time and I think that's like a cool consequence of like the sorting hat having their powers and like speaking Maybe, like, for the founders.
1: Yeah, I think this this song is really interesting. I just wanted to call it like, kind of two different things. The lines of, like, though condemned I am to split you, still I worry that it's wrong is, like, I love that line. I yeah. think it's so loaded. And it kind of, like you were talking about earlier, really taught like speaks to the, like, moral compass that the Serene had and, like, has in its, like, ability or inability to, like, continue to fulfill its destiny like does it does the story have have a choice you yeah. know um and then also another like kind of like fun thing that goes along with this song is like ron the entire time is complaining about how long the sorting hat song mm-hmm. is because he's so hungry and then afterwards hermione is like wow like that was loaded and ron's like what are you talking about and didn't pay attention to any of it and it kind of like you were talking about earlier parallels the umbrage speech that then comes later mm-hmm. where hermione actually listened to it and was like damn like mm-hmm. that was that was wild and ron's like what are you talking about yeah and nobody else paid attention and i know i think that that goes to kind of like the blissful ignorance that people continue to hold in the wizard world after all of these like signs. And especially with yeah. fudge that we see in five, like all of these signs, all of these patterns, all of these people literally warning people and people just like still blissfully turning. They're like turning a blind eye to all of these things and continuing on. Like nothing has changed yeah. when they're about to find out everything has changed. Yeah. So yeah, very good, very good. I love the Sorting Hat song so much. <laughs> um, but moving on to the Sorting Ceremony, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Um, so I'll just kind of like go through some like fast facts. So the Sorting Ceremony is held at the beginning every year at Hogwarts in the Great Hall. Um, the first years always arrive by boat across the Great Lake, Black Lake whichever one it's always referred to as i, um, like, I, think I feel like i feel like it changes because it's kind of like this forbidden forest dark forest thing well or that's like, just is it movie. ever yeah i was gonna say i don't think it's ever referred to the forbidden forest in the book but everybody calls it that um But the students arrive by boat, and the other students arrive by carriage, so the first years take longer, they get there after everybody's already in the Great Hall, and the sorting hat is always on this like three-legged or four-legged stool, it changes depending Mm -hmm. on the year, and then it sings its song, and then the students go up one by one in alphabetical order by last name to put the sorting hat on, and the sorting hat then proclaims which house they're in. So either the Weasleys are weird in this way or this is like a wizard world norm like nobody talks about the sorting ceremony beforehand I'm not sure if this was again just kind of like a Weasley family way of like picking on the younger siblings and being like you have to do this like you have to like fight a troll in front of the whole school and like (laughs) that's how you get sorted because Ron and Harry are like freaking out beforehand thinking they have to like do magic to like prove themselves Um, When at the end, they literally just have to put a hat on. So I'm not sure if that's, like, a... I think we also see that Malfoy's nervous. But I don't know if we read that nervousness as, like, he might not end up in Slytherin. Or, like, he also doesn't know what's going on.
0: I don't know. Um, I always kind of read the nervousness on, on like... You They have to, like, go in front of the whole school, and, like... That's true, that's it true. It does determine, like,
1: what their... Their lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's unclear whether you're allowed to talk about this awarding ceremony um, afterwards. Like, it's never explicitly said, like, don't talk about it, <laughs> but it's also never explicitly, like, a first year knows what's going on when they enter the Great mm-hmm. Hall for the first time. So, that's unclear. Um... And then I'll talk a little bit just kind of like about hat stalls. I know we've talked about it in like previous episodes, but depending on how long it takes the throwing hat to decide, you could be like considered a hat stall. Like some people are very quick, like Draco Malfoy. Some people take a while, like Neville and Hermione. I don't th- neither of them were like officially hat stalls because I think it's like five minutes. Is that the like you have to be, I think it's five minutes, yeah. Yeah, so um, it has to take the hat five minutes or longer, which I believe McGonagall and Flitwick were both official hat stalls. Like, it took them longer than five minutes to be sorted. Yes, McGonagall, Flitwick, and Pettigrew? Pettigrew? Actually, I don't
0: know if Flitwick was. I think Flitwick was close, maybe?
1: Yeah, I feel like McGonagall was definitely an official hat stall. And then there's, like, all these people that I kind of talked about as either also official hat souls, or, like, right around the, like, four-and-a-half-minute mark. Yeah. Um, so, it does vary. Um, the Sorting Hat could read your mind really quickly and make a decision, or sometimes it can take a little bit longer. Um, and then we've also talked about, specifically with hat souls, a lot of them being, like, Gryffindor Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Like, that was Hermione, that was Flitwick, and that was McGonagall. Um, so, like, kind of seeing maybe more in common with those two houses, but when we talk about Neville, like, that I think we learned specifically that like the Sorting Hat wanted to put Neville in Gryffindor, but Neville didn't feel like he belonged there and was fighting to be put in Hufflepuff, and then we assume the like struggle with peter was between slytherin and gryffindor which i think is we also see semi and harry like obviously harry didn't take close to five minutes but we also see kind of that mirrored neville's experience where the sword hat wanted to put harry in or i guess was like kind of i always got the impression and maybe we'll talk about this more in our here episode that like the Sorting hat was almost like teasing harry and, like, talking mm. about how he might belong in Slytherin. Because, like, I don't really fully believe that the Sorting Hat believed that Harry belonged in Slytherin. Mm. Like, we even see later in, like, Chamber, when he's like, I wasn't wrong. Like, you could have done well in Slytherin. But he's never like, you belonged in Slytherin. You know? Yeah. Um, and then we see, obviously, Harry fighting to be in Gryffindor. Yeah. But also, even if the Swording Hat did believe that Harry belonged in Slytherin, I don't know if he'd ever admit it because then that would be admitting that he made a wrong decision or they made a wrong decision. That's true. That's true. So, who
0: knows? Our final segment is just going to be a little bit talking about um, whether or not Hogwarts sorts too soon. Um, so this is, like, an idea that comes up because we hear Dumbledore say this to Snape in Snape's memories, so at the end of uh, at the end of, Deadly Hallows, um, with regards to like comparing Snape to Karkaroff, so, the memory is from like when Voldemort first came back, and he says that Snape was like a, always a braver man than Karkaroff or whatever, um, and then he just kind of offhandedly says sometimes I think we sort too soon, implying that. Snape is very brave and maybe he did belong in Gryffindor Um, which okay we don't really know Dumbledore's motives of saying this we like (laughs) this is like a whole other conversation Um, it could be that he was just like he really did believe that I mean I'm sure he believed Snape was brave I don't know that he believed that they saw it too soon or that Snape should have been in Gryffindor Um, or if he was just trying to manipulate Snape Um, maybe get Snape thinking about what Snape's life would have been like if he had been in Gryffindor with Lily, or what um, kind of like the, that Snape does have like a duty to Gryffindor and a duty to like not Slytherins, and that Snape does have this like quote-unquote light side in him. Um, So that's like
1: a whole other can of worms. Yeah, what well, like, on that topic, I know this is probably going in the different way that you're trying to pivot from, but is Dumbledore implying that if Snape was sorted in his fifth year that he would have been a Gryffindor? Because I vehemently disagree. Right. I feel like, if anything, 11-year-old Snape had the most potential of being sorted into Gryffindor. 11-year-old as old Snape opposed to, or 30-something-year-old Snape. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely not 12 to 18 Dumbledore. Yeah. Or snape like we see him go harder into the dark arts yeah
0: so i think that i think that that kind of like i think dumbledore is maybe commenting on the fact that like who snape was as a kid does not define him and like he mm. was a slytherin as a kid and so i'm wondering if dumbledore is saying like maybe we sort too soon not like oh we should sort it later in a kid's school time but maybe more so like we don't want
1: to like put these kids into boxes at 11 that right. they feel like they your can't house should from. not define
0: you for the rest of your time and like yeah. I think on it also this is kind of like maybe a dig or like not a dig but a note to like like readers and the fandom mm-hmm. who define themselves by their houses like you know like we all do it Um, but I think we put too much weight on our houses as, like, a quote-unquote for-life thing, whereas, like, Mm -hmm. in-universe, like, it's intended to be, like, the seven years you were at Hogwarts, and so I think, like, if you view it that way, it's not a big deal to sort at 11, and, like, the, the issue is not we sort too soon it's just that we put too much value in sorting so like mm. if you sort at 11 and if by the time you're 15 or 18 or 30 or whatever you would have been a different house like does it even matter i think yeah. it's like maybe more of the question dumbledore is asking or like one way for us to interpret this debate
1: um yeah it's like a self-fulfilling destiny almost yeah like i'm a slytherin thus i must become a slytherin yeah kind of thing exactly exactly and so just back to Dumbledore for one
0: second is, like, I would I would buy him believing that they do sort too soon or that, like, the same thing, kind of like we put too much weight on her, the houses because he's been around the houses basically his whole life, um, and I think he's seen the effects they have and, like, the way they can form students, and I also think he, I mean, he was a Gryffindor, but I feel like That's kind of, like, a hidden fact, and we don't super, like, see him have a lot of allegiance to a house, besides the fact that he makes Gryffindor (laughs) win the House Cup every year. But (laughs) um, I think Dumbledore, like, with his age and with the time seeing the houses over decades, he would, like, come to, like, appreciate a student who, like, could embody all of the houses, you know, like, being well-rounded, yeah. I think there's value in that, and I feel like that's something Dumbledore would come to value. And also, like, if we think about him personally, like, he underwent major life-changing and arguably personality-changing events um, at the end of his school year, so I bet, like, he is reflected on that, and I don't think that, like, it necessarily changed him from a Gryffindor to something else, but I think he probably views the person he was during school, and like before his father going to ask him and his mother dying, and everything that happened um, with his sister and his brother and Grindelwald, as like he was a different person then, and because of those events, he's a different person now. Like,
1: yeah, I, think I mean, it's kind of like put
0: weight to the fact that like your values can change.
1: Yeah, it kind of like parallels this thing in like at least like the American like media or like American zeitgeist of like the the like football player that puts too much stock in its glory days in high school you know and like comes back and like it's like the big man on campus when he comes back for like his 15 year high school reunion or something you know like we don't see those people as to be like lauded we see those people as like wow you like haven't moved on since high school like time to grow up yeah, And I could see that kind of thing being similar to this, like, house allegiance type thing yeah. that we're setting up at in, like, the magical world of, like, a 50-year-old proclaiming what house they were at Hogwarts at, like, a party. It's, like, okay, like, right. good to know. <laughs> right.
0: And I think, like, you do see, like... I don't know, like, I think pretty much anyone in the Order is more distrustful of Slytherins, and, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. there are those divisions that carry on through adulthood, and I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a greater commentary on the House system, but I guess we can go back <laughs> to, like, the sorting too soon thing. Um, it would be, like, logistically super difficult if they want to wait to sort. I was reading about, like, on, like, Reddit boards and stuff, and people were like, well, like, they could all be together like all the first and second years could live together and like you Mm -hmm. basically would just have to like make it so that they couldn't like make the rule for Quidditch be like harsher so they can't compete in Quidditch and then you get sorted at the end of your second year. But like I don't know that that does a whole lot for like what Dumbledore is saying. I do think it is, it is a little strange that they sort immediately because I think coming to Hogwarts is such a like, Uh. big change especially for like all students they're going away from their parents and like when kids go away from their parents for their first time they might find out their personalities develop more on their own and they might find out that like they don't agree with the values or don't don't as strongly promote the values that their parents promoted and like you know like maybe percy away from Molly and Arthur, for the first time, started to realize how much he values ambition as opposed to bravery, which is, like, what he was told to value as a kid. Um, And I think especially for, like, Muggleborns, like, they're coming into, like, an entirely new society, and all of these kids are at a very formative age. So I think it's interesting that, like, you would choose the personality they come into Hogwarts with as opposed to even just, like, six months in. I bet they're, like, already kind of different.
1: Yeah, so I have two things to say about this. One, I think that sorting at the Halloween feast could be kind Ooh, of an easy fun. fix for yeah. this. You know, like just have like a separate housing for like the first two months of school. Yeah, let the kids like settle in. Like lower the stakes. Like a first year on their second day can't lose points for a house. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just sort, like, two months in, because then that also, like, they could also integrate with the house by the end of the year. I also think that would promote... More unity. More friendships across
0: houses, and... That's another thing that Dumbledore could be asking, is sometimes I think we sort too soon, like, we cause division.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a welcome week at college. Like, you meet so many people that, like, granted, you may never see again in your life, but, like, what if you did go to a smaller school where you would run into them later? You know, like, just give a chance for everybody to meet everybody. Mm-hmm. Another thing I have with this, and this is kind of the lar- like a comment on the debate at large. This comes down to a lot how powerful you believe the sorting hat to be. Mm. Because in this context, we're kind of giving the sorting hat no, like, clairvoyance abilities really this is like this sorting hat is reading the child as is at 11 years old on september 1st whereas we kind of talked about earlier does the sorting hat have the ability to see into the future or maybe not even like see specific events but kind of like be able to pinpoint the person, type of person these people are going to grow into. Yeah. So I think that also does, like, how powerful you believe the sorting hat to be plays a lot into, like, where you fall on the do you sort too soon debate, I think.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It also ties into, like, nature versus nurture, because, like... Yeah. I think, like, the sorting hat, if you believe the sorting hat to be like to have predictive powers is different than like the starting out to see like who you are at your core and then yeah from from that know how you would react to certain situations whereas like having predictive powers like kind of the the nurture side of it is like if a student had a life-changing event at 14 and it made them from a Ravenclaw to a Hufflepuff it's like it's more nurture as opposed to nature as, like, they were always a Hufflepuff within. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. There's a lot of questions to it. And, yeah. I think I don't necessarily think that the... I I think the Sorting Hat is kind of, like, all-knowing in some sense. I don't know that it, like, can tell the future. But I think it does have the, some, some sort of, like omniscient power Mm -hmm. um and I think with that fact and if if you take the houses for what they are as like a school thing um I think they don't sort too soon but I do think that like I think maybe the greater message of this debate is like uh less emphasis on house uh pride and how the house system and more emphasis on like greater unity across and like valuing your house and having pride in the things that you the traits that you have to make you that house um but not causing the division with the other houses
1: yeah and to be fair like okay maybe this isn't being fair because i'm talking about um a work of fiction in, like, a real-world context. (laughs) But I do think that, like, if... And obviously, these systems are implemented at real schools, like houses, you know? But even if I were to, like, take Hogwarts in the way that it is and place it in, like, modern-day, like, reality, I don't know if I buy that, like, people... Like, it's always been such a weird thing to me that there weren't more cross-house friendships. Like these people are in class with each other. Like maybe they don't live together. Maybe they don't eat together. But we also like see in later books where like cross house friendships become more prevalent. Um, Like you can go talk to each other in the great hall. (laughs) Like you're not like sequestered. Mm -hmm. Like I even feel like there's been some instances of like people sitting at other houses, Mm -hmm. tables. You know, like maybe they're not sitting there to eat, but like they sit down to chat. So I have always like, that has always been, like, something I don't really buy being a thing, especially if there's only, like, eight kids in one house, like, that is just, I don't know, that just doesn't seem super realistic to me.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right.
1: Okay, (laughs) should we call it there? (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it has, like, A lot of the things that I look for in recording an episode, (laughs) like I think there was a lot of debate to be had. I think there was a lot of like extra information that's not in the series to bring Mm -hmm. up and to talk about. And we talked about the houses, which like are some of my favorite things to talk about. Like our house episodes were always my favorite to do. So I agree. I really and the the, the sorting hat songs, yeah. It was bringing me, like, a patron episode I felt like we were doing (laughs) for a second with, like, going through, like, analysis of some written chunks. Yeah, no, that was fun. That was fun. Are you
0: concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science in their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious, so whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter at TNHSWPod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. Yeah.
1: So for today's pop quiz, the question was, what is your favorite welcome fee slash first night of the school year at Hogwarts throughout the series? Okay. So we did post this on the Facebook group
0: yesterday and we got two responses. So Leia said, It's different than the book, but I love the entry in the Goblet of Fire movie where Bobatons and Durmstring enter. So exciting and lots of anticipation. Um, Yeah, that is a fun That's a really fun one in the movies. Um, And all the dramatic entrances. (laughs) Yeah, and the costumes. The The Bobatons' costumes are like, oh my God. And then Linda said first year when they get sorted, which obviously is a very significant one. Um, Yeah mine through doing this episode is the fifth one fifth year Mm -hmm. Um, I think it like I just like that song we talked about that song for a while that song is so good and you get Umbridge's speech and I love like how Hermione picks up on those things um and yeah I don't know I think it does a really good job to set the tone for the book And, like, the fifth isn't, the fifth book isn't my favorite book, Um, but I think we often talk about this, like, dramatic shift in the series at the end of four and the beginning of five, and I think that the the Welcome Feast is, like, a really good event to point to with, like, multiple, um, uh, multiple, like, instances of that shift within the Welcome Feast. So, um, yeah, I really like that one.
1: Hmm. This is hard, because I definitely want to pick one with a Swing Hat song. Because, like, six, Harry's a little late, but still, like, is at the feast. Mm-hmm. I mean, two and three, I don't think he's really at the feast at all. Maybe he shows up late at three. Yeah. Two, they show I don't think they show up at all. They, like, run into them walking back to the common yeah. room, I think. I'm just
0: trying to think of when they find out Ginny was Gryffindor.
1: I think I think McGonagall tells. Oh, Maan. you're right. You're
0: right. Because they, yeah, they eat in McGonagall's office.
1: Yeah, because they like they didn't want them to like make a scene by yeah. walking back into the Great Hall. Um, so like I think then. I think one is definitely like, obviously like holds a special place mm-hmm. in I think the hearts of a lot of Harry Potter fans just because it's. It's the first mention of Ravenclaw mm-hmm. we get during the Sorting That's Hat true. song, actually. true. I can't believe I bring that up in the song. Yeah. Because Hufflepuff... was uh, mentioned for a bad reason. Hagrid <laughs> had mentioned our Duffers. And then, like, Gryffindor and Slytherin we've heard a couple times. But that was the first mention of Ravenclaw in the whole series. Um, we see like the most people sorted, mm-hmm. obviously, out of all the years. Because other times, like they're not really paying attention, um, and then obviously like Harry sorted, and we get to see like the inner monologue with the Sorting Hat. I think Four is my favorite song. I do have to say, but I don't think a whole lot. Maybe I'm just like misremembering. I mean, Moody. Oh like, is up? there a yeah, but like that's not like a super. No, I don't know how like big that is, you know. Because um, like the people, I do they they introduce the Triwizard Tournament, and yes. I think Barty Crouch yeah. is there, and Ludo Bagman, maybe. I think they are. Um. And then five, obviously, for all the things that you mentioned, and then like six is like fairly uneventful. Um. I don't know. I feel like I have to choose four. Like, number one, because you chose five. And, like, (laughs) that's, like... Probably has the most, like, coherent reasons to like it. Um, But it's my favorite Soaring Hat song. It's my favorite book. So I think I'll just go with four.
0: Okay. third choice. Yeah. Uh, You can catch our episodes dropping every other week on Tuesdays on your favorite podcast app. And uh, as I remind you, every episode... (laughs) please go rate and review our podcast on apple podcasts um it really helps us grow and helps people find us
1: yeah and then you can find us on social media we are wizard studies podcast on facebook and instagram you can join our facebook group at wizard studies podcast group You can follow us on Twitter, even though I think it's been like a year since we've tweeted anything. (laughs) I'm going to try really hard. Like now that like school has started, I've gotten more in the swing of things. I really want to get back to being more active on Instagram. So I'm going to try really hard to start posting on there more back to like, like two summers ago. I feel like we were great on Instagram. (laughs) I want to get back to that form. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to try my hardest. Um, and then you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Wizardsize Podcast, I think it is. Or you can just search Size Podcast in yes. the search bar.
0: Alright. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest.
1: And learn until our brains all wrapped.